What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hi, this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. We have, uh, well, I think we know what we're talking about today, right, David? Yeah, a lot going on. Kind of everything. I mean, there's a lot going on, but but Focused now... Focused on one big Yeah, story. we have one of these, like, vortices. <laughs> right. Like, everything is, like, kind of circling this right. one big story that yeah. wasn't even... Josh, when was when did the first when did the first news of the whistleblower part of this it was um come up it was like a week and a half ago now yeah it was the Friday before last it was like like the fourteenth just just over a week ago yeah yeah I mean like maybe ten days exactly right right so the whole thing even even from the sort of the origin point and and for the first like four or five days it was just sort of like a another kind of one of these semi-obscure things that Adam right. Schiff is sort of like right. up in arms about. But I have to say yeah. props to you, Josh. I know you seems like you were kind of early on that story. I mean, we didn't know exactly the full weight of it yet, but, you know, you were kind of tracing the kind of weird block of the, you know, the whistleblower complaint and stuff like that. It, yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody could have predicted how this turned out, but it did really morph from this, like, just another congressional investigation, one of many, where, you know, it's just really hard to kind of keep track of what's going on into, I mean, what really seems to be, I mean, pushing at least Democrats towards impeachment right now. Yeah, it definitely seems. I mean, I, I don't think this is a game changer in the sense of, like, Trump's going to be removed from office. But I do think it's a game changer, certainly on where Democrats are on impeachment. It's kind it's it. I mean, it's demonstrably changed the game. I mean, so what it's maybe something like. A couple dozen Democrats have come out for it in the last like forty-eight hours, and the key is is that the 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 ones that have come out are most of the people. Like everybody talks about, well, Nancy Pelosi is you know wants to protect these Democrats who are in these sort of marginal districts, and like now, I would say at least half of those people, maybe like two-thirds of those people have on their own come out and said, yeah, right, it's, right. it's, it's time. Well, so, be, before we dig in too deeply, should we take care of a little bit of business first? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, I was going to say, you know, before I read the copy, because I have to make this copy interesting because we have to read the copy a few, a few <laughs> times on the show, I just want to thank Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee, right, for being absolutely. the sponsors. I mean, the sponsors of this show uh, uh, for some time now and uh, also keeping us in Grady's Cold Brew, which is which is a key part of... Keeping our energy yeah, up yeah, while we keep part of keeping everything moving. Uh, so uh, reporting from them, we have this news report from, from Grady's. Breaking news in the cold brew world. Grady's Cold Brew is now shipping all of its liquid products products nationwide. Now everyone has access to all of their products, all the products that made Grady's famous. 32-ounce bottles of New Orleans-style concentrate, 42-serving bag and boxes, and even single-serve bottles. Drink it straight, mix in your favorite milk, or spike it for a caffeinated cocktail. Grady's is brewed and bottled daily at their brewery in the Bronx, so bottles ship 
cold for peak freshness. Ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. All right. right. So, Josh, Kay, I want to get into some of your reporting over the last couple of days. But, Kate, I was wondering if you could just start by filling everyone in a little bit on kind of what's been happening the last day or two. I know you guys did an emergency podcast without me last week. I appreciate you filling in for me. (laughs) But just give listeners a sense of over the last day or two, kind of what are some of the key developments they should be aware of as we're as the story continues to unfold? Right. So, you know, this week kind of started with um, Giuliani actually went on TV and said he's not 100 percent certain that, you know, Trump didn't leverage the Ukrainian aid, you know, as just blatant extortion with the Ukrainian president. Um, Trump got up before cameras and was like, no, I definitely didn't do that, you know. (laughs) So they're on the the same page as usual. And then um, Washington Post broke that. Trump actually did tell Mick Mulvaney and his then, well, still OMB capacity um, to withhold the aid. It hasn't been explicitly connected. We're not 100% sure that he talked about withholding the aid on the phone call yet, but the timing seems pretty suspicious. And so this then, was like a week, bef- it was a week before the call with the UK- right. Ukrainian president. He directed the aid to be kind of delayed. Just and that's bit. July 25th, that right. call, that kind of key focal point call. Right. right. And so... And then at the same time, on the Democratic side of things, you had Nancy Pelosi, you you know, working the phones all weekend. And then on Monday, you had um, seven swing district Democrats, all from various intel military backgrounds, kind of didn't make a full throated call for impeachment, but basically opened the door, said, you know, if this is true, this is worth that kind of an investigation. Um, And so since then, things on the Democratic side seems to have shifted really, really quickly. Like you were alluding to, Josh, it's kind of you're having a lot of Democrats coming out of the woodwork, even those from Purple District saying, you know, if this is true, this is, you know, inexcusable. This is the the straw that broke the camel's back. And then you have today Pelosi meeting with the committee chairman and full caucus. And then she's planning to make a statement later on, probably this early evening. I I noticed that there was, uh, I I think I have his name right, there's a freshman representative named Colin Allred, I think was, was was it, wait, sports background? I can't remember. doesn't matter. The the relevant point is he's like in like a plus five Republican district in Texas. So like, you know, it's not even exactly a swing district. It's more like he's in a Republican district. Mm -hmm. And he came out uh, uh, this morning or maybe last night for you know for impeachment so it's really there's kind of there's 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 various people who haven't made a statement but there's sort of nowhere on the spectrum of 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 democrats where where a lot of people haven't you know kind of shifted their position in the last 48 hours yeah and i mean i think i would just add to kate's roundup i mean this is news that just broke a couple minutes ago but uh i guess biden has said that trump doesn't cooperate with the investigation so call on congress to impeach trump you know i'm seeing in some of these uh reports about the the democrats from red or purple districts you know kind of the idea that this is more easily understandable than all of the tiny little kind of complicated instances of obstruction that are you know laid out in Mueller's report and are quite damning if you understand all that background. But that's what five hundred pages. You can't mm-hmm. expect a layman yeah. to be up on that. But with this, it's like you know he asked Russia or there's Russia may have interfered on Trump's command, right? And it's like and now this is happening again. That's easy for people to understand. Yeah, there's, I think there's two or three levels of it. There is just the directness, right? Like the unite, you know, the Congress appropriated this money for these guys to have a have a military to deal with Russia you said 
go after my enemy or I won't give you the money. I mean, it's just like, dude, okay, yeah. we, that, that, like what? And, and so it's so simple. Mm-hmm. And there is this sense, even though it's not, it's not legally significant and it's not even exactly impeachment significant, but there's a sense of, we've been talking about collusion for fucking three years, man. And it's a hoax and like, and it wasn't your fault and all this kind of stuff. And dude, you're doing it again. You're doing it again, and there's just there's there's something very powerful about that because I do think one of the one of the things that has allowed Trump to skate through a lot of this stuff is I mean it's a ridiculous justification from his from his supporters, but it's one that in the weird nature of Trump, I think even his opponents half buy into that the Trumps were you know sort of like you know they have these things of like you know a child raised by wolves they have no experience <laughs> of human culture like the trumps were ra- they have no experience of following the law so like you can't they were new to this right <laughs> following the law was new you couldn't you you know collusion maybe they didn't know it was wrong and 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 that's all before he was in office obviously well yeah, yeah i mean it's the whole thing is like preposterous and yet somehow <laughs> f- somewhat credible right um but i think you say like dude we've been talking about it you know, maybe you didn't understand this was wrong the first time. We've been having this conversation for three years. And, like, you didn't even just have Rudy do it. You talked to him yourself. Like, like, do you want to? I mean, it's just, it's, something's just over the top and different. And I think the over the topness plays into another element, too, uh, just going off what you guys said, which is just that, I mean, the Democrats, they don't want to look weak. And, I mean, if you're just, like, letting them just, Giuliani go on TV and Trump to basically tell reporters at the UN, like, what they're doing without any kind of response, I mean, you would look. I mean, it, it's it's like they're having their lunch eaten. I mean, it's really... Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it, too, which is this is happening, you know, during their term, like, while they're in office, you know, before they could say, especially the new ones, you know, this was during the campaign, I wasn't in office yet, now that I am, I'm really gonna, you know, put the reins on Trump, and it's like, this is the first time they've really had to put their money where their mouth is on that. Yeah. I, th- I think that's a key point, because uh, we just said that there's, you know, a half a dozen things that make this different, even though there's all these similarities, and one really is, and I think this is the case with the Mueller report, that it, it was an equivocal report on the under, you know, on the original crime. I think it was it was pretty straightforward on 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 obstruction, but on the original thing, yeah, lots of connections, but you know, kind of hard to kind of pin it down. But in addition to that muddledness, I think for a lot of people, it's like, all right, this happened. We know this happened. He's president. He's been president for a couple years. Sort of like, are we? Do we go back? But this is in the future. It's like you're actually trying to do this again in the next election. So that just creates an urgency that is different. Yeah. I, I want to just back up a quick moment, Josh Kavinsky, and ask you about a piece you wrote yesterday, just to kind of set the stage a little bit and get you know have listeners get a little bit of a sense of the foundation of the story, which is this investigation into a gas company in Ukraine and Joe Biden's son and Giuliani's in, involvement in that. So tell us kind of about what this kind of sham investigation was and and what the kind of Trump world is alleging, you know, Joe Biden might have done and just kind of 
like, catch everyone up on that part of the story a little bit. Sure. So I think that it's important to start off with Hunter Biden, I mean, joining the board of this company that happens in April 2014. The company is scandal ridden um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I, I mean, there are legitimate questions about why Hunter Biden chose to do that. But the real focus of Giuliani's effort and Trump's effort is to tie Hunter Biden's decision to join the board of this Ukrainian gas company, Burisma, um, to his father. Uh, so I mean, they're basically trying to visit the sins of the son upon the father, like in, you know, to put it that way. Um, and they're doing that. You said yeah. April 2014. When is the maiden? When is so line, line that up for us? Yeah. So um, and I mean, this goes to the crimes that the company is accused of being involved in, which is that the previous administration is overthrown. The pro-Russian administration essentially is overthrown in February 2014. Um, and when that's overthrown. Um, a lot of form corrupt officials and you know officials who had maybe not or people who had maybe not been public officials but had earned a lot of money through corruption immediately fled the country because they were afraid that there would be legitimate anti-corruption investigations and that the law would be brought to bear against them. Um, and so one of the people who left was the owner of Burisma, um, the company that Hunter Biden on whose board Hunter Biden sat. His name is Mikhail Zelchevsky. He was their minister of natural resources for a couple of years, and his like corruption scheme was very simple. It was uh, he awarded his company. Like lucrative gas drilling licenses. Was so, it like forty billion dollars worth, or something like that. Well, so it was not an arm's length transaction. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, um, the, the forty billion actually is the amount that the whole government supposedly stole. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, and I mean, the Ukraine just so people understand. Like at that time, March, April, two thousand fourteen, they had like no money in their bank accounts. I mean, the West had to come in and just like infuse them with billions of dollars in cash so they could just like make basic pay- basic payments to public employees and. Continue to exist as a country. So that's the environment in which Hunter Biden kind of appears. Um, eventually, Obama appoints Biden as you know, the elder. Yeah. Let me ask you. Okay, so the guy who who runs the company, owns the company, flees. Mm-hmm. Is he the one who brings Biden onto the board, even though he's left the country? It's a great question, and it's not clear at that time. It wasn't, as far as I understand, it wasn't completely clear how much Zlochevsky, that guy. Um, had how much control he was continuing to exert over Burisma. Um, you know, the reason Hunter Biden was brought in supposedly was corporate governance reform. Um, you know, we don't know how much Hunter Biden knows about corporate governance reform, <laughs> but that was, the, I mean, that was the stated reason. And obviously, if your company is involved in that kind of scheme, corporate governance is probably an issue. Right, uh, right. right. Okay. But so, you know, this is a whole mess with involving Hunter Biden. And Giuliani, what Giuliani has tried to do and people around him is tie that mess to Joe Biden. Um, and the way they're doing that is through it, it, it's a very complicated story. And it's as complicated as it is untethered from reality, I would say. Um, and the big thing, the big accusation they make, though, is that Joe Biden used his the position of his office and used, you know, his position as vice president to pressure uh, a Ukrainian prosecutor to step down um, in a bid to protect Hunter from an, a criminal investigation in Ukraine. And we know that that's completely untrue for a number of different reasons. Um, the big one is the timeline. So the investigation into Burisma had ended in 2015. Hunter, I mean, Joe Biden first started calling for this prosecutor's resignation one year later in 2016. So on a basic level, the timeline doesn't add up. Now, I, I've yeah. seen it referred to as like dormant. You said ended. Is that a semantic difference or what's the it, story there? So there's one, pro- there's, there, there are prosecutors who were working in the office at the time. So basically this goes to another kind of dynamic that was going on in Ukraine um, to try and reform these historically corrupt institutions like their general prosecutor's office. They had brought in, um, you know, kind of clean, relatively clean outside prosecutors. Uh, and so they were active within the office at that time and they uh, have 
afterwards gone on and told journalists about the status of these investigations. And so they're the ones who said that the case was closed. Okay. So that's how we know that. Um, and so what happens is, is in 2015, this new prosecutor general, their equivalent of attorney general, is appointed. His name is Victor Shokin, and he's the one who Biden eventually tries to get fired. Um, and one of the reasons why he becomes this magnet of ire for not just Biden, but for the entire West, for the IMF, for the EU, basically for all of these countries that are back in Ukraine, is in part because he fires these like independent prosecutors they brought in who were like not corrupt. Okay. And the specific case that they did was they um, did a sting on prosecutors that were working for Shokin. And they found that uh, they had like one of the guys had like an arm cast full of diamonds, <laughs> which was like it was, it was a bribe he had taken. Um, so I mean, it's stuff like that. Right. So uh, basically, all this like all you know, all this ridiculousness leads the West to like start demanding Shokin's resignation. Biden's voice is one of many. But one crucial one thing that Giuliani and others have seized upon is that around a year after Biden leaves office, he's giving some event um, at some think tank in D.C. and he says, "I went to the Ukrainians and I said, if you don't get rid of Shokin, we're going to withhold around a billion in loan guarantee." And then Biden says, like, in son of a bitch, next, next day he was fired. Right. And so Giuliani and others have kind of taken that to be like an example of him extorting the Ukrainians to protect the son. Whereas, in fact, you could look at it another way. By trying to get a more effective prosecutor in place in Ukraine, he was actually probably putting his son in more danger. Not to Just, suggest there's anything right, right. but you know what but I mean. Yeah. yeah. So let me see if I understand the sort of the progression here. So uh, the government is the pro-Russian government is overthrown. Uh, everything is sort of in chaos. Right. Whoever is running this Burisma company at the time brings in Hunter Biden, puts him on the board. Right. It's sort of obvious that at some level, helpful to have the American vice president's son kind of in the mix. That's yeah. I think that goes without saying. Um, at the, there's new prosecutors uh, brought in. Uh, semi-clean, you know, more professional prosecutors brought in around this period, 2014, 2015. There's some investigation of this Burisma company, uh, which at least nominally Hunter Biden's brought in to help clean up, right. put in corporate governments, governance or whatever. That investigation is closed. A little later, this new seemingly corrupt prosecutors brought in. He gets rid of the professional prosecutors mm -hmm. Everybody in the West gets upset about this, and there's pressure to boot him, and he's eventually booted. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, We're confirmed that Josh understands what happened. <laughs> yeah. No, no, yeah. but I, I, it's good because it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's a complicated thread. So that's one. I think the other piece that I think has you've noted, I mean, has been I overlooked, is that Giuliani is trying to gather damaging information on Hunter Biden, but he's also trying to find information that it seems like could serve as the basis for a pardon for Paul Manafort. Um, and there's a whole other sordid story that I think we were discussing on Slack slightly uh, a little bit offline before this, which is, um, you know, 2016, this uh, mysterious bribe letter ledger appears showing that like around 12 million was earmarked for Paul Manafort. I think around four hundred thousand dollars was going to go to Larry King. Um, it was like and, handwritten on a piece of paper. Yeah, right? and it's actually you can actually see the interview that Larry King did with this guy uh, Mikola Zarov, who was like the like prime minister of Ukraine at the time period. Um, and like it's this like insane softball interview, like two thousand twelve. Um, uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. But like anyway, so uh, Larry King, Manafort on the same like same like bribe spreadsheet. Um, and you know the Trump administration has basically taken the that document led to Manafort's resignation is campaign chairman. And then later on, Manafort was obviously prosecuted for financial crimes relating to Ukraine and the Trump administration or Giuliani and Trump have tried to basically spin this line that that was based on uh, fabricated documents. What was was the 
the crimes that Manafort was convicted of, were they specifically tied? D- did that document come up in the actual facts that were alleged? No. So it's it's the same subject matter in terms of Manafort's payments from, you know, related to his work in Ukraine. But as far as we know, his, his actual conviction was not related to the $12.7 million that was... Uh, Found in the ledger, so but it's one big pool of money. So right, know. but at least, but at least to play devil's advocate here, it's not like that bribe ledger document has been validated by a U.S. court. No. Like it was brought into evidence and everybody agreed it was legit. So in theory, we don't really right. like kind of who knows. Yeah, I think there were a couple. There were like one or two transactions that the AP and others were able to verify, um, and it was like a couple hundred thousand dollars, like going through Kazakhstan to Manafort. Like, you know, very weird, but like, yeah, I mean, but, you know, it, they, they have, I don't think they've done like the whole spreadsheet. Right. I'm yeah. sorry, but does it matter? Right. Can't Trump <laughs> just pardon him because he wants to? Right. It, I was yeah. wondering, like, kind of, well, A, does it matter? Uh-huh. You can pardon, it doesn't need any reason to pardon him. Right. And B, kind of like, isn't Manafort kind of old news? I mean, he seems like kind of roadkill on the Trump, you know, yeah. Trump road. It, you know, I think there's, a, there's, it seems like there's a desire to just keep trying to discredit the whole Mueller investigation. And that's part of what this would be. Is because if you could like say, well, Manafort was you know wrongly prosecuted, then the whole thing continue falls apart even more. And I think in the same way, if they like to shout no collusion and all that, they could use that against the Democrats next year. I just I find this whole thing like the the Biden thing. You know, even if it, this investigation wasn't over, you know, and didn't not seem to really overlap with Hunter, like who cares? Trump is very obviously corrupt. His children do questionable things on this level on like a weekly basis and it's not even biden it's biden's son yeah there is like kind of 10 steps of remove there's like the gas company which may have legal problems there's hunter was was joined the board of the gas company and biden is just some kind of old goofy guy who doesn't (laughs) seem to have anything to do with any of it right and 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 this is what i keep coming back to is that is that the only way this has any connection with with Joe Biden, which is the only relevant thing here, is this idea that, you know, his son was about to go down for some bad stuff in Ukraine and he comes in and gets the gets the prosecutor fired. Yeah. And as you said, that is demonstrably just ridiculous. It has it doesn't the timing doesn't make sense. It it, it that is, you know, that is no conceivably we'll find out that that hunter biden did something weird with this gas company but that's hunter Biden. you know he's not running for anything so so um it is it 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 is very weird and i've I've kind of seen some chatter that's saying that maybe they're trying to you know butter emails this whole thing up you know Mm -hmm. like take but i think the reason why the email is stuck in people's psyche is because it amplified concerns people already had about hillary clinton which was that she's secretive or you know not transparent you know not trustworthy whatever and this you know accusing trying to tie joe biden to corruption just feels you know completely antithetical to what people think about him which is that he is you know transparent to a fault you know not calculated too much sometimes you know i think it sort of goes back to what we were talking about with the biden war story kind of flub in that you know, Trump is obviously has so many issues. It's there's no shortage of coverage of that. And when there's sort of something for you know, kind of traditional newspapers to latch onto on the other side, there's this kind of like I don't know muscle kind of that kicks in where oh you know we gotta 
we have to run that to ground too. too. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, there's a, there's a, there's a sort of a reflex of both sides as well. Yeah. And that's that, sort of the that, issue yeah. with this whole Biden narrative, right? Is that I mean, it's there. There's no foundation for the accusations. I mean, it, it's like writing a. It would be like accusing Biden of murder. He says, "I'm not a murderer," <laughs> and then you write the story saying Biden denies the accusations right. of murder. It's, it's like, more like I what mean, you were you were yeah. pointing out this NPR headline, Josh, right, where it said something like, you know. Um, Democrats say the I don't know what was it, it was some like it was basically like Trump says Biden is a crook Democrats right. say he's not what's the real story <laughs> and that was like what you know yeah so it's like you know there are lots of different examples of that people trying to just say well we're just kind of giving the facts and you decide kind of thing let me ask you this Josh because I, I, our, our, our colleague Joe flagged to me one, you know, one John Solomon article from, I think, April, where a lot of this stuff, origi- you know, some of this stuff originally came up. It's been pretty clear, I suspect, to both of us that, like, John Solomon's getting most of this stuff from Rudy that's kind of pretty, you know, hands it off to him. But here's one, I, one thing I've been wondering about. My sense is, and from just being around and observing at the time in... in in 15 and 16 and 17 and 18, that they seem to be pushing a lot of storylines that either originated in or were amplified heavily over the last few years by like Russian propaganda outlets. Um, Like a lot of these things about, oh, you know, it's really, it's really Biden or it wasn't really, it wasn't really Russia. It was actually Ukraine trying to set up Russia and, and, you know, and, the green men and all that kind of is that am I right here it just that that kind of has me has me curious and wondering kind of yeah. what the origin of a lot of this stuff is it's definitely worth asking uh, definitely you know and you know one of the uh, I think like Bob Woodward's book that came out last year referred to this like Ukraine collusion attempt um, like narrative as like a basically Russian disinformation right <laughs> right I don't right. know what sources he was using for that but like you're, well, you're not the only one who's had that thought yeah yeah I mean a lot because you know it even I mean I, I always feel bad bringing this up because of all, I think everybody knows the stuff with his bereaved family but like with the Seth Rich stuff the Seth Rich stuff started out as alright Guccifer 2.0 has you know our cover's been blown so we're going to come up with this counter narrative about oh this Seth Rich guy and it was pretty clear that that started through the same sort of propaganda channels from the internet research agency and stuff like that and it just it'll probably take more kind of you know deep digging than we have the time to do now when when new news is breaking but the origin of a lot of these conspiracy theories seem to come from a kind of a funny place and not and, not starting with Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it's in a sense, it's like a chicken and the egg question, right? Because, I mean, you know, the origin can come from wherever. I mean, the, the origin of the DNC collusion thing, like, I can, like, tell you about. I mean, I, I like, I know, like, with this guy who, like, is sort of claims to be responsible for it. This, like, former staffer at the Ukrainian embassy. You mentioned him in our yeah. show last week. What's his name again? And, Andriy Telezhenko. Okay. So he, like, worked at the embassy in Washington, the Ukrainian embassy in Washington um, in 2016. And he left, and then after, basically after Trump got elected, he went to Politico, uh, and the same reporters at Politico at the time were the ones who did the Biden. Is this Vogel? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, basically wrote a story, like, about, like, quoting him, saying, like, uh, you know, he had been a direct witness to attempted collusion between the DNC and the Ukrainian embassy in Washington, and that they had, in part, you know, manufactured these, like, fake financial documents involving Paul Manafort, which led to his resignation. Now, do you know, a, do you have a, a read on what this guy's deal is? So my interest, so I, mean, I, I met with Telezhenko after the political story came out and like in Kiev and like, he just seemed like a guy who was trying to create a like 
foreign lobbying business and this was his just like really opportunistic and sort of clumsy way of doing it and so presumably yeah. at that time trump's in office and like that's where the you everybody wants to be friends with trump exactly yeah and he was just trying to sort of position himself as this like conduit between the two and you know claiming to be claiming to have value thanks to his like work at the embassy in in, in washington now is do we know what he's doing now it's yeah, so he, I mean, so he met with Giuliani in May. Um, he's like, he like went on TV in Ukraine right after the Zelensky phone call with Trump. And he like went and said that like uh, Trump is demanding compromise on, <laughs> yeah, for, for, for the 2020 election from Ukraine. <laughs> okay, which yeah. is like, okay, you so, know, wait. so this yeah. is the July 25th Zelensky call. And then July 28th, this guy goes on TV, Telezhenko. And so a- after the call and after the Ukraine government's readout, but before any of most of us in the U.S. had or heard anything about it or about, about it, the yeah. whistleblower or whatever. So, I mean, that doesn't seem... Necessary. I mean, I mean, we don't know how much access he actually has, or if he's just sort of saying things he's like kind of hearing or whatever. But it, it's odd, yeah. It's it's. Let me let me ask you another question. There's I w- I went back and looked at you know Mike Pence went to uh, Warsaw at the beginning of this month and he met with Zelensky, um, and and that was the trip Trump was supposed to go on. Right, exactly. The, he was filling in for Trump because of the hurricane. Right, um, and he gets asked this question and I remembered his answer. Cause even at the time I was like, cause, cause Pence like, we like you Ukraine guys want to give you some guns, but like got to work on the corruption. And even at the time I'm like, dude, come on. I, I know what, what, what's going on here. But I went back and looked at the question and the question, and I don't know who the reporter, but the question was, Trump had that phone call with Zelensky. Did he bring up Biden? And I was kind of thinking like, what, do you everybody know if it was knew, an, everybody you, knew about this. Why didn't we hear about this? Why, you know? Do you know if that was an American reporter or uh, someone in the foreign press traveling? I believe it was in the English language. Obviously, that doesn't that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean anything. I assume it. I don't know. I don't yeah. know who it was. It'd be easy enough to find out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really it's it's interesting. And I mean, because a lot of the reporting recently has suggested that, like, I mean, this was all basically happening on behind the scenes, basically since July. Um, and like it was kind of filtering through Congress and like through Ukraine, but like it didn't really explode until like this whistleblower came, you know, out uh, in September. And it's very odd that that's the you know the, that was really the trigger that like led to this. Yeah. So yeah. let's let's talk about kind of where things stand now and and maybe where we see things going a little bit. Uh, Trump is at the UN this week yeah. for the General Assembly, and so he's been in front of cameras basically every opportunity he's he can get. He was with Boris Johnson earlier today. I guess he was with the president of. Was it Poland yesterday? Who was, I guess there was, or president of Egypt. There were a few different kind of, you know, bilateral kind of meetings. Um, Kate, can you run us through a little bit of like, I don't know, the things he's been saying about this as he's, you know, gotten questions shouted at him in these brief appearances? Yeah. So, I mean, Trump has been, he's always been quite a verbal contortionist, but in the past (laughs) few days, you know, it's been like, he's just got the timing down pat of saying something, a report comes out hours later, and then he's like, no, 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 like that's that's what I'm saying. You didn't understand me. So, you know, at first he was saying, I mean, I thought this was funny to begin with, but he said he would never say something, quote, inappropriate with a foreign leader on the phone because so many other people are listening from the agencies. Like he was, you know, and then he added at the end, like, you know, by the way, I would I would never do that at all because I love America. But like his first <laughs> argument is like, I know I'm being listened to. <laughs> right. So, you know, it started out with kind of that and then it went to, I would never make a dicey phone call, blah, blah, blah. And then a report comes out, you find out who's talking about Biden and he's like, well, we were just tra- talking about anti-corruption, you know? And so it's kind of he's only giving these little 
drips and drabs, but... Right, it's always like a couple questions and then he sort of moves on, right? right. So you can't really ever and follow up or press he's him. He's been really hammering down on the... I would love to release the transcript, but I, I simply can't because of, you know, precedent. Or he right. said once, um, we have to be a quote, little bit shy about it, you know, whatever that means. But so he's trying to kind of show everyone he's being transparent. There's nothing wrong with the phone call, which I, I've seen some speculation that maybe they're saying he keeps bringing up the transcript because maybe it's not great, but there's worse. And if he offers that up, yeah. you know, maybe that's chum yeah. that'll just. There was a reporters. CNN story yesterday that his advisors were kind of weighing whether to release it, but that, yeah, they were worried about the precedent it might set. And then maybe he'll have to release the calls with Putin or something. You know, the you funny know. the funny thing about all this precedent thing is, is, you know, pres- presidents always think this. And there's, a, there's a, a, a good reason they think in those terms, institutional terms. You know, it's not just me as presidents, future presidents. But Donald Trump is the one person who could not give a flying fuck about anything that happens after Donald Trump, right? right? So it's just comical when he talks about like, you know, it might be good for me, but I gotta think long-term about America yeah. and about the Constitution. You know, Kate, one thing that I was struck when you were saying that, and it's always been a pattern with Trump, You can, and you can, he previews the trajectory of his remarks because he always says he always has a, a twofold statement like this where he says, "Yeah, I did that. I didn't do the other thing, but I could if I wanted to, and it would be awesome. But I didn't." <laughs> yeah. And so you always know that's the next thing that absolutely did happen, right? right? Yeah. But that's the that's the sort of the the holding area right. for future admissions. Were you making this point, Josh, about and? And Josh Kavensky, maybe you were kind of saying this too. And, and with the Russia story, it was no collusion. And this time, it's kind of like, well, so what if I did? Kind of yeah, thing. collusion's awesome, right? Which was always the which was always the sort of the the contingent fallback in the Russia story. Yeah. Like I didn't collude, but I could have if I yeah. wanted to, and it would have been great. It's also, I mean, it, it's not sort of distinction with the Russia situation because Russia, I mean, of its own volition, just like started you know this campaign against the U.S. Whereas, I mean, with the Ukraine thing, like today, I mean, it's really Trump trying to like extort, trying to sort of extort them into colluding. Like that's the maximal version of the allegation. Well, and also that, like, yeah. that goes back to, again, what is I think the most generous read of the Russia stuff, that Russia was doing this and Trump wanted to win. Uh, you know, these emails, these emails show up. You don't know 100% where they're from. And so, you know, was Trump supposed to say, hey, I really want to win, but I'm not sure of the provenance of these emails, so we are just never going to talk about them ever. I mean, yeah, that I, th- I think that probably would have been a good idea. But again, as you say, this is 100% him. He's doing it. He's the extortionist. He's the bad actor. I mean, it puts it in a different light. Yeah. And so coming up this week, let's see, what else is happening today? Kate, you were mentioning there's the, the caucus meeting with House Democrats. Mm-hmm. Pelosi's expected to make a statement afterwards. I guess by the time this episode is out, everyone will know, yeah. but we don't know quite yet. Um, the Director of National Intelligence is testifying on Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah. is that partly, it's open session, partly behind closed doors? Is that your sense? I think, yeah. There's also a couple deadlines. Um, so it's worth noting that, you know, the House Intelligence, Foreign Affairs, and Oversight Committees are also, are still about investigating this whole thing. Um, and they're focusing on the State Department for their investigation, which is interesting for other reasons we can discuss, because that's a big thing. Um, but uh, they will, I think, issue a subpoena to the State Department on Thursday if they don't receive documents by then. That's the. Yeah. I want to I uh, have you follow up on the State Department thing, because 
Giuliani had said a few days ago, oh, yeah, they helped me set up yeah. some meetings. And then yesterday, tell us about the State Department side of this, because there's like... It's weird, yeah. The more smoke is... Even in the last 48 hours, a lot more smoke on how the State Department played into this. So we, uh, the U.S. has a, representative, a, a permanent representative to the Ukraine crisis. His name's Kurt Volker. Um, he and so I mean he's kind of flying between U.S. and Kiev and around. Um, and he supposedly uh, is the one who like basically set up this meeting between Giuliani and an aide to the Ukrainian president in Madrid. And that's one of the areas, one of the times when Giuliani like tried to push them supposedly to like investigate Hunter Biden and get information about Manafort and all of that. Um, so the question is, is like how and why did uh, and can you remind us just when was that meeting in Spain? That was in early August. Okay. It was August third, I think. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. So it's fine. Yeah, and so. At least the original version of this, or at least how I think a lot of us interpreted it, was you know Giuliani is 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 doing his thing, and he maybe calls up to, calls up someone at the State Department to get an introduction. Right. But now it's like it was originating on the State Department side, which I'm not even sure we have a theory of what that's about. It. So here's the thing: the the official who and I haven't reported anything on this because I just saw it like now, but like the the official who uh, this morning, but the official. The Ukrainian official who met with Giuliani, this guy, Andrei Yermak, he's like a foreign policy aide. Um, and he like gave this really lengthy interview in the Ukrainian media yesterday about all of this uh, in Russian. And like what he said, like was, you know, basically, I mean, he, he has like a spin on it. But what he, he basically said is like, yeah, you know, I saw that Giuliani after he canceled his first trip in May um, was saying that, there, you know, he, had, there, he had all these enemies in Ukraine on Zelensky's team. And so I wanted to clarify the situation. So I asked my friend Kurt Volker, can you give me Giuliani? Can you like introduce me to Giuliani? Oh. That's his version of events. And Giuliani said something similar in Hannity last night. Okay, like, but that that at least potentially clarifies it. If yeah. if if he's the intermediate, I mean, because it sounds like what you're, what it is that Giuliani's making this trip. He gets a lot of bad press. So suddenly he's like really attacking Zelensky right. and saying they're against Trump. And at that point, certainly the Zelensky people are going to like, no, 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 no. Let's let's we need to. We're, I mean, because obviously they do. You know, we. As 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 Trump critics in the United States, we may want them to be against Trump, but they want they just want to keep out of all of this. Yeah. So that actually that sort of explains at some level why the State Department, if they were actually responding from an overture from Zelensky's people, it certainly offers them an out because before that, it really seemed like Giuliani was trying to pressure the Ukrainians, and then like the State Department facilitated it. Whereas at least in this telling, it's like the Ukrainians come to Giuliani saying like, "Hey, like let's work things out," right. and Giuliani is like, "Hey." You know, you know how to work things out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And okay. So this guy again. So this is not the ambassador, the U.S. ambassador no. to Ukraine. It's a separate kind of. Yeah, it's just like a friend point person. It's like a friend of like Zelensky's who he was like briefly floated to be their foreign minister. Well, like, not that guy, the U.S. guy. Oh, the, for the, Volker. Yeah, Volker. And tell us what his exact role is again. So yeah, he's like I think his title is like special envoy to the Ukraine crisis. So he, I mean, will go have negotiations with like the Russian people on Ukraine, like the EU. He's just sort of like an all-encompassing diplomat who's trying to serve U.S. interests. Is he based and, in D.C. or overseas? He um he's between he's like sort of between Kiev and uh, D.C. Yeah. And is he generally he an like there. a career yeah. diplomat type, like a, a, a at least notionally I mean, legit person? If I'm remembering correctly, I mean, he's like former CIA. Like, I mean, he, he, yeah, he's, he's but he's, he's not he's like legit. a he's yeah. not like a, a Sebastian Gorka. Type. No, no, no. He's, okay. he, he's a real he's a professional. Okay, yeah, he's, got it. He's, got he's it, not Gorka. It. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Interesting, because that because that State Department thing is is has been this sort of background thing, like kind of floating in the air. Like, yeah, yeah kind like, of like, is this much much worse? Than, like, right. did you actually? But that would be a I think a sense. reasonable explanation of why they would 
do that, even though they probably should have kept their hands off it. And I can tell you, I talked to somebody yesterday as well um, who told me a similar version of events. Not exactly the same, but like so very similar that it was the Ukrainians who approached the State Department through Volker saying, like, look, we need to like talk to Giuliani. Um, and the way that person framed it to me was that it was because they knew that Giuliani has direct access to Trump. And so, I mean, that's why he's interesting, obviously. Right, right, but, right. Yeah. Okay, that that that's interesting. That That's the first like explanation I've seen that that fits and also is semi-exonerating of the State <laughs> Department's role in the thing. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. All right, so maybe we should end just kind of, um, Josh Kvensky, maybe tell us a little bit about what you're looking at next, where you kind of see things going, or what our listeners should kind of be on be on the lookout for. So I'll have a story on the State Department thing coming out this afternoon. And so by the time the podcast is out, that should be up and ready for people to read. Um, here's another thing that I think we just pubbed for Prime as the podcast was recording, which I think readers should pay attention to. I'm not sure this is going to develop into something, but it's interesting, which is that um, basically Julia, so Zelensky was elected in April, and a really big priority for him was getting a personal meeting with Trump. Um, it's a big deal for every foreign leader you know, to have a photo op with the U.S president and just FaceTime, but also specifically for Ukraine because of the political situation with Russia and the political situation for him domestically. Um, and so there was initially an offer, an invitation from Trump to- Let me ask you one question. Yeah. Is he generally, in polling terms, still popular in Ukraine? He is. He's, okay. he's doing very well um, in Ukrainian public polling. He right. like, has like 70% popularity or something. It's pretty good. Um, but so it basically in, in like early June, Trump extends Zelensky an invitation. Um, is that there are actually some high level contacts between like Trump administration officials and Zelensky administration officials. For example, uh, Jared Kushner goes <laughs> to Brussels on like June 5th and uh, has and he shows up to this dinner and at, the, at that dinner with like which is hosted by the U.S. ambassador to the EU, um, Zelensky and Yermak are there and so they they're like pictures of them meeting. It's like it's very funny. I mean I don't know if they actually like I doubt they actually discussed like this Giuliani thing, but they're they're they're, they're hanging out. Right, right. Um, but so then at some point before July, I'm not inter- sure on the exact dates. Um, they can't find a time to meet, and the Trump administration. Uh, isn't so keen all of a sudden on them like having a personal meeting. Um, so it's delayed and delayed. Um, and again, I mean, this could just be the normal, you know, issues with scheduling to busy people's lives. But it, what ends up happening is they were going to meet in Warsaw in September. That's canceled. And then they finally are scheduled to meet this week at the UN General Assembly. So I'm going to be following the meeting. But there are people, there are a lot of questions about whether or not the um, this campaign of like kind of sort of like light blackmail, if you want to call it that, was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, it, like is diet, that an arrested development? Right, like, like, like uh, diet, uh, diet blackmail. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Was like, was like, is like, if, if this was a component of it, the um, holding out this meeting and not getting it. All right, there's a lot. Keep, keep us posted. Let me, you know, one final thing here is that th- the weird thing is that over the last 48 hours, this whistleblower complaint that was the whole thing. At this point, it almost seems moot. Like, kind yeah. of like we sort of know what the deal is. Yeah, or at least like we know what you're charged of, and we need to get to the bottom of. And sort of like what the whistle, go- what the whistleblower guy was focused on is is it feels kind of like old news right now. yeah so do you expect the hearing thursday to shine a lot of light on anything or is it just kind of a more procedural bureaucratic kind of thing we haven't seen mcguire public testify in public um so at least on this so I mean, that'll be really interesting i think mm-hmm. um, on, i doubt he'll say anything but and on the yeah. other side of things i think you know we don't know what nancy pelosi's announcement yeah. is going to be this afternoon but you know dt and i were speculating earlier that chances are it'll probably be maybe a special committee to investigate or something just because from everything I'm seeing there's a lot riding on this Thursday appearance that the Democrats probably aren't going to move gung-ho for impeachment until they have something to point to that's like 
Trump did this. The administration continues to block the evidence of that. We have no choice right. but yeah. to move forward. Well, it also seemed, there was just as yeah. we were recording yep. a CNN alert saying Speaker Pelosi is encouraging her caucus to weigh in on impeachment now and plans House action on the Ukraine scandal tomorrow. Okay. So it's kind of vague, but it would be kind of in line with what you're saying. Yeah, it, it does. It seems to me that there's at least some coalescing with some Republicans in Congress that's sort of like, you need to share that report, that whistleblower yeah. report. Even Lindsey Graham is... Graham yeah. and Romney are the ones. Yeah. Romney, and also I think Burr, at least supposedly in the background with Senator War- Senator Burr, this is the Senate Intelligence mm-hmm. Committee, that I think what David, our colleague David was saying was that they seem to be moving um, you know, behind the scenes to try to get that. And, and that's the one point where, you know, whether you share the transcript, all this kind of stuff, that is up to the president. But this thing, there's a law. It's right. really clear cut. So that seems like... Also, if it's an intel committee, exactly. There's a law. I mean, they're statutorily mandated to receive this. So they, I mean, not just politically, but institutionally have a reason to be pissed off. Yeah. So that I, I, I almost wonder if by Thursday, maybe that, that'll kind of be moot. Because I, I don't... I, I, that seems like the pressure point that I'm not sure they're going to be able to hold out on, not sharing that, not sharing that report. All right. All right. Okay, I got to do this Grady's thing. I'm totally on top of this. Uh, you remember that Grady's Cold Rice Coffee is the sponsor of the Josh Marshall Podcast. Well, if you are ready to give it a swirl, get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. And remember to subscribe to TPM. Join Prime. We have a, we have our... It's a big week for us. Yeah, today. our annual... Well, more than a week, maybe <laughs> months. Um we have our annual membership drive going on right now, which uh, we, th- you know, this is how we run this 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 organization and how we um, fund doing all the reporting that we're talking about. So if you are a fan of this podcast, and certainly if you are a reader of TPM, please have this week be the week that you finally join and become a member. We'd appreciate it. Yeah, it'll right. be awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Later. everyone. Right, thanks. thanks. Bye.